The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 89. We got the weekend edition, Saturday, March 4th. We are now uh, beyond a full week into spring training and got a great show ahead. We're going to be talking about TGFBI, a uh, uh, critical draft. Steve, we're uh, both in round 14, so we got a lot to go through in terms of the team build, what our takeaways were in the draft. We're also going to look into spring training and just talk through some early takeaways. Man, it has been a grind as of late, Steve. I know you had a nice vacation, but uh, you know I know we've both been busy. And then the last two episodes, you know, the full student mode with PLV, and now we can kind of take the foot off the gas a little bit. Let's exhale. Let's talk about a draft. Let's uh, get into some spring training stuff. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. How's it going, man? Good, good. Um, I am fresh back from Florida myself, um, so kind of in, in my own spring training mode there. Um, I did not catch a game. I was close to some games, uh, watched some games, but I, I, I did not uh, actually attend a spring training game. But hey, what are you going to do? Uh, you, had, you had the baby. Exactly. Yeah, played some golf, so um, had my... Uh, uh, I you know I, I cashed in my 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 own free time uh, on vacation where I could and that happened to be golf over over spring training games. Although with the pitch clock, and I'm sure we can get into it. It would have been a lot shorter of a of a, of a trip, which is, which is nice. So um, maybe that, an anxious one. I, yeah. I threw out a uh, this might upset most of our listeners, but I threw out a, a bold Instagram comment on like MLB elites or something and. It came across my feed as posted like one minute ago, and it was complaining about the pitch clock. And I was like, well, I know that there's no comments on this post, so maybe I'll be one of the top comment guys. And I came in hot saying that, like, everybody needs to get over it. Like, it's it's good for the game. It's going to speed it up a little bit. Like, it's not that big of a deal. All the problems are happening now. And it did surge up as like the top comment, but I also had to fend off about 50 people coming for my head the rest of the weekend. <laughs> Alyssa was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm getting attacked by Baseball Nation here about the pitch clock. So. Just fighting off uh, internet trolls, uh, yeah. know, trying to keep my sanity. I, I, I like it. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. I think it's 
with any with any new rule or, or an adjustment like that, there's always going to be some growing pains. But that's kind of what spring training is for. Like, you know, people were freaking out over that automatic called strike that ended like the top of the ninth inning or whatever right. like that. But like, that's just not going to happen in any of those scenarios, just because they're going to be so adapted to it at that point and hyper focused on you know what they have to do which is being in the box and everything like that so that's just not going to happen in, in no they're, in, get, they're a, getting used to it in yeah. a moment like that yeah well if you want to uh attack me verbally you guys can follow me on twitter at van underscore verified you can follow steve at stav 8818 and you guys can email the show it's wins fantasy at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at wins above pod but steve we got a nice little rundown here so let's talk about it man i mean we're into march both only completed like two or three drafts but tgfbi is upon us and um you know this is this is a big one it's kind of the bragging rights for the love of the game uh nfbc draft and i know we've kind of talked offline but give me the rundown on uh you know your nfbc league just how it's gone so far big picture on TGFBI. Yeah, this is kind of like, you know, it's become the industry kind of granddaddy of them all, right? Like everyone plays in it. There's what, I mean, over like 40 leagues now. Is that correct? I, I It's around that. It's around that number, which is just absolutely insane. I mean, shout out to Justin Mason who organizes all this and all the guys at NFBC that basically put together, I got to think, which, you know, outside of like the main event where, you know, it's, the main event and it has a really hefty buy-in and all of the big money players playing it. Like this has got to be one of their most, or one of the largest events that they run. Right. And it's just pretty cool being in a league, you know, seeing the names like, you know, Jeff Zimmerman is drafting one spot ahead of me. It's still like uh pretty crazy <laughs> to see, like, you know, it's like, Oh, you're on deck. Well, wait till Zimmerman makes his pick. It's like, Oh, you know, Oh, only the guy I've been reading, uh, for the last 20 years uh, for any fantasy advice is picking in front of me, which is, it, it's pretty humbling to see and pretty cool. And I, I, it's just awesome to compete against these guys. But format-wise, I think it's it's good to hit on. Um, just as a reminder for anyone who's not familiar with TGFBI, it's the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. It's just like this industry league. It's a 15-team roto, 5x5, five five, standard categories, you know, average ERA wins, whip, saves, standard five by five, um, fifteen team, uh, and I believe it's thirty roster slots, right? So like seven bench slots, no IL, nine pitchers, and corner infield, middle infielder, five outfields, one util, two catchers. Uh, so that's like the the roster rundown and. I don't know. Just what you said to me kind of sums up my overall takeaways. It's like. This is this is just so hard. Like a fifteen team league with all of these guys who know what they're doing. Like you're going to walk away with a weakness one way or the other. Uh, mm. I've tried to approach this year a little differently. We can get into that in a little bit, but you know, go for a more balanced approach. Not necessarily fade it, pitching too much. You know, grab saves earlier, which is something I don't normally do. Grab a catcher earlier, which is something I normally don't do. But because, and I think this is a big uh, aspect, and I probably should hit on this earlier when describing the rules, it's a weekly league, right? Um, you mm-hmm. can change your hitters on Friday, but you can't change your pitchers. 
Um, fab runs once a week, so you can't be scrambling through the waiver wire if you know one of your catchers goes down. You have to wait, and you know you could potentially have a have a zero there uh, for any position really uh, for for a week. Um, so uh, it, it's just something that I need to, you know, growing up playing daily moves league my whole life it, it, and being bad my first year in tgfbi in 2021 to okay uh in 2022 maybe i'm uh going to be good in in 2023 hopefully that's the case at least so i'm trying to adapt to uh this weekly format which uh you know i'm more best balls if i do nfbc leagues uh or, or weekly or daily leagues if i do you know other pitcherless leagues or or my standard home league so um, yeah trying to slowly adapt to that and become better at this format which kind of is the format to 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 play right like this mimics the main event um although uh and and adams on the wire league i did win that but that was a 12 team league which is totally different animal just because the depth here uh comes at you fast yeah, it really does. I, I, I was crunching the numbers and it's basically like, you know, simple math, but you think about 12 team leagues, usually when you're doing your fantasy analysis and you're like, oh, it seems like a third round guy or a fourth round guy, but really it only takes four rounds of a 15 team league where you're, you're basically, uh, you know, an entire round later than what you would be in a 12 team league. So, you know, the guys who are, you know, in your brain, they're like a fifth round guy. You got to grab them in a fourth round in the, the 15 team draft. So you get a lot thinner, quicker on a lot of positions. And as you mentioned, Steve, on our back and forth, it's like you got to take your medicine. Like you got to if you don't grab a catcher, if you don't grab saves, then you're going to be missing out. And it's really tempting to pass up on that. But I think that was one of my biggest TGFBI lessons learned from last year because I actually had some really good picks and plays, but I was I did not invest in closers, and I thought I could play the wire game, and it was brutal. Uh, finished last place in saves, and that kept me in middle of the pack in the overall standings for, or I guess in my league standings. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a grind, and it's not an easy draft room. All the names that we say all off season that you know, we've got our eye on and that we're targeting. Those are the guys who get plucked a couple rounds before you were really hoping they would they would come back to you. So we're, we're targeting uh, these guys because the guys we're drafting us against us are telling us to target these guys. <laughs> I I was hoping it would be the other way around, Steve. But no, I think you're probably right uh, on most of these. So it, it's it. No matter what, it's a lot of fun, though. It's a great way to kind of make connections. We've got the whole Twitter thread with like 10 of our league members in, and we're all kind of politely pinging each other when we're on the clock, all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, let's jump in and, and talk about the drafts itself, Steve, because we're about halfway through, which is most of the uh, you know the heavy hitters for your team. Of course, we still got some deep sleepers ahead. We can't give any spoiler alerts out. Uh, nice try, Esteval, just tuning into this podcast right now, probably trying to get a leg up on me. But the question is, uh, how did you start your build, Steve? Tell us what draft slot you were in and maybe your first two picks and, and kind of why you went that way. Um, so I was team nine. Um, 
I think that was pretty high in my my KDS, if I uh, remember correctly. I could probably p- pick that up, pull it up as we talk. But um, you know, I had sort of that. We we talked about this a bunch, right? On uh, on a uh, mm-hmm. on on shows where um, where we wanted to set our KDS, and I always targeted those middle picks. Um, so I got ninth, which I think was second, if I remember correctly. Um, on my KDS order. Um, so was pretty happy with that. And the idea just quickly to hit on it. Yep. It was second. Eight was first, nine was second. And then I went 10, seven, six, five. Um, so I wanted, you know, a, a middle pick. And the, the idea behind that is you get um, a high end talent in the, in the middle of the first round. And then on the way back before there's like a talent drop off towards the end of round two, you're still picking, um, you know, from, uh, a, a nice pool of players. So I went, I went, I went ninth. Um, a guy that I think we talked about, like the first off season show, like uh, that we'd be happy with grabbing him in the mid to late first round. I went with Juan Soto, right? Like I got him with the ninth pick where last year you needed the top four pick essentially to, to get him pretty much. Uh, I know it didn't work out too well. Um, mm-hmm. Just you know, for for him it was a down year, uh, but I, I, I'm all in on the Soto bounce back. I think you know there there was a back injury that I think has gone kind of underreported. I don't think anyone's really mentioned that. Like he had that back injury when he was traded to uh, San Diego a few a few days in, where he like took batting practice, tried to swing, and was out for a few days. And it's a good point. You forget about that. Yeah, kind of with his rolling charts, you saw some power fall off there, even though, you know, he did kind of have uh, a little bit of a bounce back in San Diego, at least like in the average wise uh, towards the end of the season. Um, so that, that's something that I, I think definitely bothered him. And then just the scenarios that were, were going around him, right? Like uh, there was the, the way the Nationals treated him, like with, you know, releasing these public offers that he was turning down that he wasn't happy with, um, you know, being on that horrible team, which, you know, couldn't have been fun to play for, sort of knowing that they were just okay with letting him walk and then just waiting for a trade to happen. Uh, and then when a trade does happen, you know, we, we've, we talk about this a bunch, like with Nick Castellanos, with, uh, you know, uh, guys that have this pressure uh, on the the when they go to a new team, um, I know we normally talk about it with a new deal, like with Marcus Simeon, you saw like his PLV charts where, you know, his, uh, his, I essentially, and, and, and reach rate was just out of control when he first went to Texas and he was clearly pressing. Um, and then that kind of leveled off as he became adapted to his new environment. Uh, so that's definitely a thing. So I, I, I like the Soto bounce back and that's kind of why I'm happy picking, in this area in the first round. And then for my second pick uh, with how horrible uh, I think first and third are uh, fall off wise third more than the first uh, I, I went with Paul Goldschmidt. And then I guess not that you asked me this, but my third round pick was Noel Arenado. So I got the corners covered along with Juan Soto in the first three rounds, the Cardinal corners. I love it, man. They went, yeah, back, I did back, that for, I did that for you. Dogs. I know you're going to, you know, you can't say anything about the start of my draft just because it has Goldschmidt Marinato <laughs> as a Cardinal fan, right? No, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I love uh, Soto for a bounce back as well. I think 
One thing that's a little interesting is in the five by five format, some of that brilliant average True. from yes. Soto, yes. The, the walk rates don't, you know, they pull some ABs away, but, you know, theoretically he's also getting on base. Maybe he's getting, a, you know, handful of more steals this year with the, the rule changes and everything. So. And is he a free agent after this year? Or does he have one it might more? Be one because more but, you know, after a bounce back year, I think, you know, we saw what happened with or, or a down year. I think we saw what happened with Judge. Like there could be the like, OK, I'm going to go nuclear and just boost my stats for absolutely everything. Like Soto has stolen a handful, handful of bases uh, throughout his career. I think he had like nine even last year. Yeah, six, um, so six last year, nine, six the, last year year, before. nine the year before. Yeah. So he's not a zero in the category. He has had 12 in 2019. So, so I mean. You and know, those it, are the guys. I mean, I, I I still have a hard time wrapping my head around it. But people are saying that, you know, the guys from like five to 15 steals are going to be the biggest beneficiaries because theoretically they they get the green light when they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I still can't imagine a guy who steals 30 bases and gets caught seven times isn't going to steal 35 bases, but I guess that's what the data is suggesting. So yeah, I think Soto is right in line. And then another thing we haven't talked about is outfielder is almost as important in a five outfield league, which is TGFBI getting an outfielder in the first round is actually a positive. So that's, um, that's another big thing is that you, you kind of addressed a position there. So that's, uh, that's clutch. Um, on my side, I uh, went away a little bit. I mean, my KDS was middle of the pack. I think it was like six or seven on my preference, but it was actually in the three slot. And my my preference was kind of that same range, like the eight to 12. But I did end up putting three in that zone because I, for a couple of reasons. First, I really like the idea of shoring up second base early with Altuve is kind of who I had circled. And then you also get kind of your first pick of the, the SPs if you want them there. Um, the other thing I kind of like is you also are leading that, that range of uh, basically the pitchers at like the, the early round five as well as something that I liked in that zone. So I started out with Jose Ramirez, which was immediately addressing third base. He's about as steady and, and safe as, as you want with the 29 and 20 last year, 280, great counting stats, kind of under the radar that he had 126 RBIs last year. Um, but yeah, this is now basically, what, two, two years in a row where he's averaged like 30 homers, 23 steals. You know the average is going to be a, a plus. You know the counting stats are going to be great, and it's at third base. So that was, uh, you know, the one that I wanted, and he fell to me before him was uh, Julio Rodriguez went one in my league, and then Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, so then on the second turn, I actually was faced with a choice between S- Sorry, Simeon. To, to interrupt yeah. there, Van, why did you go – other than the third base, why'd you go J-Ram over Trey Turner? Uh, I mean, position was a really big one, but I also yeah, think... Yeah, I guess. I, I, think I, can't, pop, I can't tell you to exclude your answer, yeah. Yeah, and the, the I think the pop. the pop is more bankable with with Ramirez. Um, you know, I think Turner might be more of like a 25-homer guy with when Ramirez is a 30-homer guy. 
Um, but overall, I just feel like there's a little bit more stability with Ramirez in a five by five roto. Um, Turner's had a little bit more issues staying on the field. A new um, contract, right? I mean, we we just talked about that a little could bit. Be like, could be, yeah, yeah, yep, yep. But I mean, even going back to like, yeah, like you have to go all the way back to 2016 where Jose Ramirez didn't return like top 20 value, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I really like is that at that position, I feel like it's really can't miss. It's just it's a safe pick for sure. But um, I never was not going to pick Ramirez. Like that's what. I was messaging some pitcherless mm-hmm. guys and they're asking, you know, who do you, who you got your eye on at three? And it was like, I really hope Ramirez falls to me. So mm-hmm. I was happy with that. A little bit of a vanilla pick, but um, definitely excited to have third base addressed. Then in the second round, I had the, uh, the irony that half of my reason was I really liked Altuve. I've been talking about him all off season and I ended up going Marcus Simeon and right after me, Pete Ball, of pitcherless goes with Jose Altuve. So it was a tough call, Steve, but I think, um, you know, part of that was I felt like I could make up average a little bit later and the counting stats, um, Simeon's just RBI and runs and there's so much volume there um, that I was willing to kind of give up the 20 points on average. But most importantly, kind of the theme for my draft was addressing infield. So you mentioned Arenado at uh, the third round for you. I got Matt Olson in the third round. So right away I had second base or third base, second base and first base covered and felt really good about that with three bats out of the gate. But um, we haven't talked that much about Simeon. Um, Were you surprised that that was uh, pick number two for me? Uh, Yeah, I would have thought you went Altuve, but I get it. Um, I, I think that, you know, th- they're pretty much interchangeable. Uh, I, I I understand with basically how amazing Simeon was in, in from June or Ju- June on, basically, uh, wanting to go with go with him over over Altuve. I know that you know there there's been some kind of down years and now it's not as much steals and more home runs for Altuve um in five by five I can understand wanting to hey you know bank on um the the you know probably 10 more steals for from Simeon um however you know since you went Ramirez which you know kind of has what like a 280 average ceiling um, I think that might be Simeon's average ceiling as well. Um, They're very similar guys. Maybe for sure. maybe Altuve has a little bit higher of, a, of an average ceiling. Although you know he's no longer that that three thirty hitter anymore, right? Like it's probably more of a closer to to J Ram and and Simeon than, than you think. Um, and, and I you know Simeon's first. Um, first two months just absolutely cratered his average so it's kind of an outlier to look at his what overall like what 250 from last year i think he's he's due for a a bump in that and it's not fair to consider him that low of an average hitter just with how bad his start was last year so uh i i I don't i don't i don't think i would say oh hey you definitely should have done this because you you took jrm in the first round i i kind of consider it a toss-up i like both those players so 
don't don't blame me there. And then I, I love uh, I like Olsen as a bounce back um, a, a lot this year. I think he's going to benefit greatly from the shift or from the yeah, shift. I, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think Olsen, You know, even having like the auction cal or auction calculators up, there's a pretty major drop off. And ADP reflects that as well. It's about forty picks before you get to like. Abreu and Vinny P, but yeah, just some of those projections have his average coming up from 240 to like 255, 37 homers. Um, obviously, the Braves lineup, he's going to get you runs and RBIs as well. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to almost reach a little bit on Olsen there and felt good about it going hitter, hitter, hitter. And I know you did the same. Mm-hmm. So talk about the next couple rounds, Steve, and, and uh, you know, how you began to approach pitching there i kind of wanted to like shore up some holes like in the in the middle rounds it was like okay like round four i'm ready to take a pitcher um i know that's it, that's still kind of late for you know it, it most teams had pitchers i think i was the yeah I, I was the last team to take a pitcher which uh i i always am but still hey round four is is early for me i got max scherzer a guy i normally never get a guy that's you know, uh, I, I know he's a bit older now, and you might not expect 200 innings from him, but I think I'm going to expect more than, like, the 150 he had last year uh, just because it's Max Scherzer. So um, as oatmeal of an ace that I think you can get. Um, Loves so, the pitch clock. He's excited exactly, about the pitch clock. Exactly, well. exactly. So with these rounds, I kind of want to short my holes, which I thought was pitchers, um, a middle infielder, and another outfielder just because it's – it, it outfield is so deep with uh, with the five outfield slots. I kind of wanted to get two what I think could be studs to pair with one, another one, another one to pair with Soto. So I went Scherzer, Javier, Eloy in the sixth, um, Willie Adamas in the seventh, and then got my first closer in the eighth and Daniel Bard. Um, so I wanted to fill fill those holes. I like Willie Adamas a lot. Um, Eloy, you know, I know. He's, uh, you know, I, I, another guy that I don't need to pitch to you. Uh, mm-hmm. We know mm-hmm. how good he can be when he can stay on the field. And I think now that, you know, maybe he'll get more time at DH that should be able to keep him on the field. And it has been kind of freak injuries. Uh, you know, that one in 2021 where he you know, was trying to rob a home run spring training. My God, please don't ever do that in spring training. Um, and then last year was like, you know, I, I what I think it was like, hamstring injuries last year i think for 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 eloy uh Mm -hmm. there which you know it isn't you don't love to see that but it's not like you know uh like all these soft tissues muscle ligaments and like the like you know like where to the point where like john carlos Stanton was like you know battling like a calf injury every year or whatever um i think they're kind of isolated you know also not a doctor so maybe not i have no idea but i i think that eloy can can stay healthy. Like I think he'd easily shake off uh, the last two years and play, you know, close to a full season. Um, and then kind of working backwards, Javier and Scherzer, just the pair of those two. Like uh, you know, I think I got a a a high, extremely high floor ace in Max Scherzer, and then like as you know, another guy that we talked about a bunch in Javier. Like the ceiling, the quote, you know, Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof, you know. Uh, uh, like he could be a top five pitcher in my mind with that fastball and just how, 
how good he is. If there's anything else that that develops with that fastball and, and slider combination that he has, like look out, he could be you know a top two round pitcher next year um, with how good that fastball is and how amazing he was uh, in not a full starter sample. So, um, and then yeah, I wanted to to take my medicine like. I, and I guess this is more of like a big t- picture takeaway. Like I don't feel good doing that. Like, no. yes, I, I have saves, but I have Daniel Bard in the eighth round. Maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe I need to go earlier on closers, but like, yeah, Bard was awesome last year. I had him in a ton of places, but it's still like, yeah, you know, I can't get excited about Daniel Bard, but I guess I have to because in theory, I locked up 30 saves because it's Colorado. They like having one closer. Uh, yeah, Bard's skills were great last year. His results were great. Um, so yeah, Daniel Bard. <laughs> yeah, the, nobody, nobody. You shouldn't enjoy taking your medicine. If you do, that that is a, a problem. But yeah, that's it's part of the gig, and it's like on a slow draft as well. You're waiting so long for your pick, and then you're like, man, am I really doing something out of obligation? But you know, it's the mature play to do, and I think uh, that was one of the things we learned from last year. Is Closers and catchers, uh, we didn't want to be last on the bus. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about a lot of names as well uh, coming up to continue on here and get into spring training as well. But first, we're going to take our first ad break, and we'll be right back. Yeah, but Steve, uh, I'm totally with you. I mean, you know, I, I did the same thing uh, where I ended up uh, grabbing Clay Holmes in the ninth. I believe. Oh, nice. He went in the seventh in mind. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he hung around a little bit and it's a bit different when you're picking at three because uh, you were at nine. So you at least have a chance to kind of assess pick by pick for me closer to the turn. It was very much like I'm going in with an assignment. You yeah. Know you kind of, I mean? you so, kind of have to have two picks ready. It's like, all right, one, I need to, you know, eat my vegetables then like yep. I can have my ice cream after dinner if I do that. <laughs> exactly. And and that's what I did. So after Ramirez, Simeon, Olsen, I pretty much saw that, you know, outfield was looking thin early and a couple of the guys on the turn after me needed outfield as well. On the other hand, there were a handful of SP1s basically, and I really wanted Gossman and, or Zach Wheeler so I ended up grabbing Eloy Jimenez, which was a bit of a reach at the end of the fourth round. But I wanted to make sure that I felt really good about my OF1. Um, so I grabbed him and then Pete Ball sniped me with Gossman one pick before me because I really did want Gossman with, you know, I still am excited about Zach Wheeler. And that's who I ended up getting as my SP1 there. But um, yeah, there's definitely playing a little bit of strategy when you're near the turn and you're kind of looking at you know, when there's five picks in between you or four picks in between you, you know, what are those teams' needs and and what can I do to basically eliminate the chance of me being in a really tough spot? So that that was my kind of swing there. And then I kind of went back in, as we've talked about all offseason, as, as that being kind of the pitcher honeypot. So after not grabbing a pitcher in the first four rounds, I went Wheeler, then Tristan McKenzie and George Kirby, um, after that. So I got a little bit of, uh, you know, the upside with Tristan McKenzie and then kind of the surprisingly high floor for George Kirby with some upside as well. I think there's some breakout stuff. I know 
uh, Dave Mendelson, who's been on the pod, a uh, uh, great Twitter follow, but Mendy had, had thrown out a, a tweet about some of the pitches that Kirby's working on and, and potentially a Bieber-like ascent this year. So I don't think he's void of any upside, but just with the elite, elite command, uh, you know that you're going to get some good ratios uh, from Kirby and hopefully some volume with the Mariners. So it's my first share of Kirby ever. So I'm, I'm excited about that as a SP3. Um, and then I routed out the infield with Nico Horner next as my shortstop, who you also grabbed mm-hmm. as your second baseman. So we got between Eloy and uh, Nico Horner, we got a little overlap here, Steve. Yeah, and then I have your Cardinals too. So you're going to be rooting for my team all year long. I love it. Yeah, it's it's great. But I, I mean, Horner, there's a lot to be excited about. I know I was I was peppering you on the text as well about Horner, but he he fits the mold, man. Twenty steals, uh, ten home runs last season. The news just came out today as we record this that he's set to bat leadoff uh, from the from the club. He's eligible at short, which is where I got him. But super savvy on your your part to grab him as your second baseman, which he should get in. I think what. 10 games? I think it's 10 I'm, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking that up right now. It's either 10 or 5. Uh, and while you're looking up, his 10 homers, 20 steals last year was in 135 games. So if he's an everyday guy, bigger bases, he doesn't walk all that much. So the plus average that he brings, he's like a two true 280 hitter, maybe 290. Um, you're going to get every bit of that because he's not walking that much. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's ten games. So at at, at ten games, two weeks I'll, I'll have an actual second baseman. Although I did just draft another second baseman to hold me over there, but we can get to that. So okay. uh, yeah, with Adamus and Horner, um, I have two shortstops. So that first sort of two weeks, I guess, or you know, it actually will be just like I think like the first week essentially. Because uh, the games start on like Wednesday or Thursday, right? So hopefully yeah. he'll have uh, short uh, second base really, really close and in, into the second week of uh, by the second week of April, the latest. So um, that was so my at plan this there, point, yeah. you're pretty much uh, you know around like ADP 130, 140. What'd you do with your your next pick, Steve? It, it was it was more medicine after Daniel Bard, like. The things I needed on my team were speed, saves, and uh, a catcher. Um, just because, you know, out of Soto, Goldschmidt, Arenado, I, I know that, like, Soto and Goldschmidt are good for, you know, on the low end five each, so that's 10 there. But, uh, you know, through the first seven rounds, only having 10 steals because I'm considering Arenado, uh, Jimenez, and Adames basically close to zeros. Um you know, I, I needed some guys that stole bases. So um, from rounds 9 to 13, where I am now, I went Tyler Stevenson, so that's a catcher. Um, Nico Horner, um, Jesus Lazardo, so sparkled in another starter that I think with, with high upside there. I kind of didn't see anyone that I loved at any position that I needed. Like, I didn't want to go Javier Baez, um I was considering Jonathan India, who went a little bit later, but figured that with Horner, um, I, I kind of had a second baseman. I didn't want to go like I, I wanted to count Horner as my starting second baseman, right? Like even though he doesn't have it right now, it's sometimes hard to do. Um, so after Lazardo in the eleventh, I went Jose Leclerc, 
who is currently injured minorly, but uh, I think he's missing the World Baseball Classic. It came out today, but he still should be uh, the closer, the closer yeah. in Texas. Uh, again, that's just so – it's like, uh, did I just spend the 12-round pick on some guy who it doesn't even have a job where I could have went like, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know, someone like Jeffrey Springs or something like that. It's like an actual legit starter. I don't know, uh-huh. whatever. Um I needed a closer. I needed saves. Uh, I'm not coming last in saves. I'm investing draft capital in it. Uh, and then I went Josh Rojas as uh, that fill-in second baseman who also has third baseman eligibility. So he could be my second baseman. He could be my MI. He could be my CI. Uh, and should have some more steals out there in, in Arizona. I know he's not like the best real-life player, but he's a decent fantasy player. And hopefully between Horner and Rojas, like conservatively – I could say that's 30 steals, hopefully, on the low end. You know, if they each got 15, I think the projections probably have them closer to 20 each. But uh, being safe there, uh, uh, I, I should have a, somewhat of a foundation for steals now. Yeah, Rojas with 23 swipes last year in 125 games. So I think it checks out. Yeah, and it's that, that's what, in a, especially in a draft like this, in a 15-teamer playing Roto, I think after you get past, you know, pick 100, you're pretty much looking at, you know, what your team does not have and trying to, like, fill in the gaps. So uh, I pretty much did the same thing, uh, you know, to to this point in the draft. I had not had a closer after Nico Horner, so I grabbed Clay Holmes. um, And then I needed a second outfielder because it's five outfielder league. I was between Renfro and Hap, but I felt like I had – speed uh pretty covered with Ramirez, Simeon and Horner so I ended up going Hunter, Hunter Renfro over Hap uh pretty similar players and honestly I kind of like both of them um Hap's going to hit a little bit higher in the order but not as good of a lineup Renfro's slated to hit 5th um you know he's not going to give you speed but he should fall somewhere around 245 with 30 homers and some pretty good counting stats so yeah, pretty pretty boring. But then I did get Jeffrey Springs after that. So that was my Nick Pollock four for floor there with Wheeler, McKenzie, Kirby, and Springs. And I think Springs, especially when we uh, talked about the PLV and just how high he kind of reads on that, um, paired with the fact that you know he's a raised pitcher and you know he's got good stuff. I know that uh, some people have talked about how you know, is there another step forward for him in terms of stuff or has he kind of, you know, maximized his talent and maybe the step forward is increasing volume a little bit. Uh, but I do like Springs quite a bit as an SP4. So now I'm, I'm kind of done with starters for a while. I got to get a second closer. I got to continue to kind of build out the outfield and then hopefully some fun picks. But they go quick, man. Miguel Vargas just went middle of the 14th uh, in, in my league and I was – Really hoping, as you know, uh, to have 100% Vargas shares, especially, mm. unfortunately, with the Gavin Lux news that he's going to be out this whole season. I think that just cements that Vargas, uh, you know, as long as he doesn't completely collapse, probably a safe bet to go 140-plus games, which is uh, very exciting. And I think uh, Dave Roberts was also talking about really giving Vargas the green light on the base paths to try to get some more steals as well. So. There is a path for Vargas to be 
you know, 270, 25, and 10, 10 to 15 even, um, you know, the power, he'll have to show that it wasn't a fluke in the minors because it didn't look great last year. But um, anyway, yeah, Vargas was one that I was really hoping for. Has he gone in your league yet? No, he has not, but I'm about to enter the 14th round and I may have to do it. Yeah, I mean, that that could be your second base support too, you know, Yeah, if, uh, if you need it. Absolutely. Um, so, Steve, you mentioned the the takeaways. Looking at kind of the draft board overall, can, can you pull out any kind of observations that you thought were, were kind of specific to your draft, any trends or anything that kind of smacked you in the face and before you knew it, you were like, man, I did not expect this to happen. Um, no, but you know, I, I know that there's like a meme and a joke and I, I saw like, uh, I, I think it was, um, um, Brian Bloomfield, uh, just put out a joke, like a TGFBI thread, just instead of the gif of a person hitting a home run or getting a strikeout, it's the person giving up a bomb or like getting injured. Uh, you know, so like kind of like razzing your own team, like. There's a joke that you know everyone feels good about their draft as they as they're in it and, and and leave it. Like I don't know how I feel about mine, and maybe that's because it's you know more of me sticking to lessons learned and taking things and sticking to you know needs and not going for as much upside as I normally do. Um, but I don't know. I just don't like. I don't love my team. Like I don't feel like I have five category guys and at, at, at the top, like, you know, I have positions filled, but you know, uh, I, I still only have three starters despite investing in the fourth and fifth round and two starters, you know, um, I kind of don't know if I'm doing it right, I guess is, is kind of my overall <laughs> feeling, right? Like Daniel Bard and Jose LeCoq. Yeah. Hey, like nice. I invested in saves. Are Daniel Bard and Jose LeCurk any good? Like, I don't know. Like, do you want the closers on Colorado and Texas? Um, I think part of that investment you know? is, is securing that you're not going to be like bottom four in the category. Because if you do I look guess. around the rest of your team, the, the rest of the teams in your league, you know, a lot of people are skipping, you know, those rounds in terms of closers. Like, you know, that's, that's where I, I like looking at the draft board and just seeing you know, where do I fall uh, against other teams in terms of closers or in terms of catchers? And as long as you're not the absolute last one on the bus, then you're probably going to be in a decent spot. Yeah. Like I, I think Tyler Stevenson's good. I think I have a good first catcher. Uh, I still got to get a second one. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. it just, it just feels uncomfortable maybe because it's just how sharp and deep of a room it is. Maybe it's supposed to feel uncomfortable. Um, when you're not going for like the sexy pick at every turn. Um, so uh, I, I just, I feel uncomfortable that that's my takeaway. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I just, I, I, I hope the, that I'm doing it right. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> well, we're going to find out and we're going to be talking about it all, all season. Um, yeah. I think what jumped, at least in my draft, what jumped out the most was outfield tax. I mean, uh, like guys like Brian Reynolds went uh, pick 80. Tyler O'Neill went pick 83. Uh, you know, Stephen Kwan went like 
just two rounds after that, like almost every outfielder was going ahead of their ADP. Taylor Ward went 98th. Um, so it was very aggressive on outfield, which was unfortunate for me uh, with my OF1 being Eloy and waiting all the way to Hunter Renfro. But that was the one that kind of bit me a, a little bit. But um, yeah, beyond that, I mean, it, it's kind of par for the course on on what we've been looking at for ADP. The guys who I think we expected to be, you know, draft room favorites. Uh, Taylor Ward is one of them. Rowdy Telez went way before his his ADP. Um, Lars Newtbar certainly. Uh, Vaughn Grissom went went extremely early. Went in the eleventh round, um, and he's still kind of battling with Orlando Arcia for position battle. So. Yeah, very uh, very interesting. Any uh, any final guys? I think there's probably one or two that we didn't mention, unless you got through them all from your side. Yeah, I, I really want a Newt Bar. Uh, he went in the twelfth. Uh, I was probably going to take him there. I ended up taking Leclerc in the twelfth. Uh, he went to Welsh uh, at the start of round twelve. So um, that, I think that's um, you know maybe a round before where his actual ADP was. That's probably what like the the 175th and he's probably around 180 ADP one 185 so not too early yeah, yeah it's not, not too, too not early best um, format yeah. yeah exactly but uh you know I I, I love me some some large new bar so it's kind of upset there uh Ezekiel Tovar went already in the 12th uh with the Brendan Rogers news I guess came out today that you know he has the bad shoulder and potentially could miss the season and Tovar has been good this spring and is exciting. And, you know, uh, we've talked about how hype everyone can get about uh, a position player coming up in Colorado. So um, round 12, I, don't, I, I was not expecting to see that uh, just a few weeks ago with Tovar. He seemed like more of like an end game flyer. But, hey, uh, with this spring that he's having already and, and the news for Rodgers, uh, why not? Yeah, and what's – I mean, what's – Kind of weird is that Rogers was at second, so I feel like uh, Tovar at short should have been there anyway. I'm wondering what his um, what Tovar's ADP is. It looks like like 250. So if he just went, I guess that's uh, it's getting to that range. But yeah, that's, it's that's but before it's pick 200, definitely yeah. Yeah, um, wow. and I I think that who's penciled in as their shortstop? I don't know for us to resource already updated. And has um, Tovar filling in for Rodgers. But, um, yeah, I mean, roster resource already had him at shortstop. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did uh, Masataka Yoshida go early? He, he just went as well. He went um, in uh, the fifth pick in round 13. Yeah. Pete Ball went. Uh, Yoshida in the 11th round so oh, wow. really banking on uh, yeah you're, the, the, the outfield tax the... does not exist as, as strongly in my league uh, Brian Reynolds went in like the 6th um, I was considering Yelich I really do you know looking at Yelich's overall numbers and I think if we adjust the expectations for him not to be this MVP player I think he's just a solid fantasy player he went in round 8 I was upset well, when he went and I'm kicking myself for having to take Daniel Bard and take my medicine and pass on a guy like Yelich who could be like a yeah. a mini five category guy. Well, in the in the spirit of the uh, lessons learned, just to, to rifle through what I was saying from last year, 
uh, I, I wanted to be out on starting pitchers at the very top of the draft. Uh, check that box. Uh, trust youth at the right cost, I think, to some extent with, with Tristan McKenzie, Kirby. Uh, draft talent over innings projections, uh, potentially Jeffrey Springs. Don't be prisoner to ADP. Uh, I mean, more or less with, with with some reaches here and there for like an Eloy. I I, I, th- I feel happy that I've at least grabbed my guys in certain areas. So I'm good with that. But um, Steve, on your, I guess, overall, your philosophy, like how are you feeling with your, your approach and how you tackled it? Yeah, I wanted to take less risks, risks early, which I think I did. You know, Soto, Goldschmidt, Arenado, like. Those are guys yeah. that just have been metronomes for, for for years, even with Scherzer, too, right, as my first pitcher. Um, yep. Didn't want to have, you know, like, a, yeah, this is a bad example, but, you know, taking Shane McClanahan as your first pitcher in round nine in TGFBI, even if that's a correct pick, probably isn't a good idea because you probably need two pitchers at that point already, um, even if you do hit on the one and ninth. So um, talk about that a bunch of the offseason and then, Kind of wanted to take my medicine, which I've which I've done. I, I have two closers. I have a catcher, um, mm-hmm. all before round thirteen, which is not something that I normally do. Um, you know, uh, I, I kind of missed that SP sweet spot. I, I did dip my toe and get Lizardo, um, so maybe I'll have to dig and find some more, um, some more. Uh, there's some names out there. Some so. starters here. One thing that I do find not not annoying, but hard to do. I and when you're in the middle of the draft, it's hard to like team build or I I like building my team two picks at a time, essentially, right? Yeah. Like from picks one to three or thirteen to fifteen. Like you're kind of like okay, I want him and him. Like when you're exactly. in ninth, like you make the pick and then it's like it's totally the board's totally different. Like you have to do yes. one pick at a time. Um, so uh, I, I think I've just kind of been on the ends uh, in a lot of drafts. Um, and even point, though, though. talent-wise, I wanted that for the first two rounds, um, maybe, you know, it, that's only, hey, it's only the first two rounds, right? Like, it doesn't matter right. after that. Um, so uh, maybe just from a comfortability standpoint uh, uh, for, for some next uh, – uh, KDS style drafts. I'll, I'll, I'll scoot choose, back. I'll choose the bit. ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. uh, yeah, just to. I, I like building my team two picks at a time. That, that's kind of what I've learned from this experience picking ninth. Well, that's great, and and that kind of wraps up our uh, midway point TGFBI recap. So hopefully, uh, listeners, you guys enjoyed us kind of kicking back talking the the draft board and some some approach some player targets all that good stuff uh but we are going to shift into spring training some takeaways some early thoughts on how to assess everything and some standout players uh but first we're going to take our second ad break and we'll be right back all right so steve uh full pivot here to spring training because that's the other fun part about March kicking off for one weekend world baseball classic starting next week. It's going to be like a whole second type of spring training. Um, but every year it comes with kind of the boilerplate disclaimers that you really can't put that much stock into the, the 
surface stats of spring training. And we've seen that in the past, whether it was Keston Hira last year. We've laughed about Michael Franco in the past hitting like eight home runs and everyone, you know, reaching up, grabbing him in the fifth round. It doesn't always work out like that. In fact, it rarely does. So uh, talk to me about, you know, spring training, just the Steve Giswelli process. Are you all over Twitter? Are you just watching for who's hitting bombs? And then you do some further research. Like, how do you kind of remove some of the noise? And, and what do you kind of pay attention to when it comes to spring training? Um, velocity for starting pitchers. And it's honestly probably even still a little early for that, right? Like it's most starters only have one, two starts max. And, you know, I, I think I saw some tweets like, oh, my God, look how down this guy's velocity is. Like the first start in spring training, I really don't care um, unless it's right. like a big jump up um i'm going to assume guys are just building up and getting velocity there um for hitters you know maybe you know something that caught my eye that i remembered last year that stuck with it was you know miguel vargas hitting an absolute bomb off shane bieber um that just like was like whoa like hey this guy looks like he could be a really good hitter and then had had that year that he did in triple a um so yeah it, it for me, at this point, it's still like fading the noise. I think it's a lot, it's so a lot, early a lot, a lot well. of noise. Yeah. It's so early, and the large sample of spring training we know is uh, not meaningless, but you should take it with a gigantic grain of salt. So an early sample in spring training, like it's like a caveat within a caveat. So yeah. Um, not well, to poo-poo, almost, not to poo poo this whole section that we're about. Oh to no do, no no no! I think that's the point. You got to kind of just like section. fade the noise. Essentially, is my yeah. I think I think in large part, spring training can be fool's gold, and um, you know we all kind of fall victim to it because we're just you know dying for any type of fantasy content yes, and production. Yes. And when you're watching MLB TV like fast cast, and you see all these home runs. You want to wish cast when you see that like a uh, Kelnick has you know three bombs or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and you know then you kind of take a deeper look and you look at the strikeout rate and everything. So that's that's part of what we're talking about here. I mean, we'll have near the end of spring training. I'm sure we'll have kind of the full takeaway show, um, but but this one is more like kicking off spring training and wanted to start by yeah just you mentioned uh velo some of those considerations just also for the listeners i think to throw out some pitcher list plugs a uh, great article out there from both scott chu on hitters and also nick pollock on pitchers for every single team they profile a handful of guys and what to watch for in spring training so that's a great resource they've done the hard work for you go out check out the article and you know if you're interested in Yvonne Grissom, Scott's telling you exactly what to watch out for, that he's, you know, potentially might lose at bats to Orlando Arcia. You got to look at both of their stats, things of that nature. Um, Mike Curlin had a really good article on Fantasy Pros as well that was just five things to watch for. He mentioned uh, the the velo, like you said. Um, the other thing is position battles are really important. I think we'll talk through some of those, um, both for hitters and for pitchers who are trying to fight for a rotation spot. The other thing that's gold for any PL Pro members or anybody who uses PitcherList a lot and is kind of thinking about being a, you know, subscribing to be a PL Pro member, 
the Plus Pitch podcast from Nick Pollock is just terrific because it recaps every pitcher from that day, and it's pretty much the SP roundup of of what what Nick saw, what you know. I mean, obviously, Nick is not paying attention to the wrong stuff. He's not falling victim to the noise. He's instead looking to see if they've, you know, developed their curveball or if they're, you know, adding meaningful velocity. And that's the type of stuff. They're like 15-minute episodes that's uh, priceless for, you know, March drafts. So I would really recommend that. But um, to jump in on some position battles, Steve, you know, a a few that kind of jumped out – Vaughn Grissom and Arcia. Uh, Jake Fraley is a name we haven't really talked about much, but I know he's kind of got like a cult following for the Reds in that ballpark. And, you know, he had some buzz with the Mariners as a prospect. He offers a little bit of that like 2020 if you're squinting or wish casting. And, you know, for, for him to basically secure an everyday job in Cincinnati could be kind of interesting, especially for deeper leagues. Um, so that one is big. And then me, selfishly, for the Cardinals, I think there's about five guys who are fighting for like two or three positions, and it might be a, a headache carousel, but Brendan Donovan, Dylan Carlson, Jordan Walker, who is definitely one to watch in the in the spring, uh, Juan Yepes, and then Nolan Gorman, who's kind of had a, a swing change approach had holes in his swing last year. He's worked on it all offseason. Now he's kind of spraying the, the ball a little bit better on like high fastballs. So um, the Cardinals are all super interesting to watch, uh, even kind of personal bias aside. I think there's some of the better uh, offensive battles happening with the Cardinals. But uh, what else are you watching for? I mean, uh, I know like Volpe, the Yankees, got some, some interesting stuff going on with uh, – you know, if Volpe could, which I think it's kind of a long shot, but could break camp would be huge. Um, it's just, it's interesting to watch these battles, but I don't know if any of those ones are kind of standing out to you that you're looking at or, or other ones for that matter. No, it's a great point. That's another thing that I should have up. Like that is definitely probably the biggest thing, like for hitters at least, like Who's playing when? Like, is this guy playing in the beginning of the games when the other starters are coming out? Are they playing in the end of games? Like, you know, how are they approaching position battles? Are they giving guys, like, games at a time? Like, it's just something that you need to to focus on. Like, you, you could see, hey, this guy, like, won a job. Like, that could lead to, you know, a... a, a even just putting him on your waiver wire watch list or something like that. Um, yeah. Hey, this guy like beat out other major league players. Like maybe there's something going on here. Um, as far as the examples, uh, not to make this like a Cardinals podcast, but that's the most interesting to me. Cause I just think the Cardinals still need to make a trade from, from those guys. I, I think that yeah, maybe the, the answer uh, is trading like a Carlson or something to make room for Walker somehow. Um, but yep. it's just definitely something that's just, I think is extremely interesting and something that I'm going to keep my eye on as well. And, you know, well, text, text you about for, for the Cardinals fans. Oh scoop. yeah, for sure. And I mean, honestly, from this list of names, something that's really caught my eye, I know it's super early, but Brendan Donovan, uh, who's, you know, second base eligible, just 26 years old you know, showed very little power speed last year, but did show the ability to 
to hit like 270, 280. He's got two home runs so far, and one of them was had a higher exit velocity than any of his homers last year. And what's interesting about it is Donovan has has worked on increasing bat speed. He added muscle, and there's a pretty drastic swing change where now Donovan is much more upright at the plate. There's like side-by-side photos of him kind of with a crouch last year versus upright. Um, so the fact that Donovan has blasted two home runs already and, you know, that he does have that second base spot. Um, now, Nolan Gorman might spell him out. It's still crowded, but he's one that the rest of the the offseason or the, the offseason, the spring training, I'm going to be seeing if this continues because there's enough to point to where I'm like, OK, this guy, you know, has kind of retooled. Um, he's increased the bat speed, he's added muscle, and so far the results are pretty impressive. So Donovan, for being such a, like, you know, ho-hum utility man, like Skip Schumacher. Cardinals double magic. Yep, yep, I'm already in. He could be turning the corner, man. So definitely for, like, a best ball, I don't think it's the worst uh, dart to throw for a middle infield. But, yeah, that one uh, is interesting. And then Jordan Walker is just, you know, he, he... he, his name's been thrown out for like who's this year's Julio mm-hmm. Rodriguez if he can put it all together and yeah like you said whether it's Carlson uh, O'Neill I mean they've got to do something there I don't think it'll be Newt Bar but um, but yeah that Yepes is another one who could get traded and maybe they just rotated DH but yeah it's it's interesting on the offense side at least for the Cardinals but um, on the pitcher side uh, I think. Uh, Steve, your boy, Andrew Painter, my attention is highest on this pitching battle for the SP5 slot for the Phillies. Hey guys, quick programming note. We did the podcast, did the edit, and then saw the unfortunate news that Andrew Painter is reported to have elbow tenderness. He's getting the MRI done, and we're not sure of the results yet, but did want to add that disclaimer before Steve and I gush about him for the next five minutes, so... Uh, hope everything goes okay there, but did want to add that tidbit. Enjoy the show. Bailey Falter and Andrew Painter, they've joked about how it's kind of the friendly competition, but Painter went yesterday and uh, on Nick's uh, Pitch Plus podcast, he talked about, I mean, he was gushing about Painter. He just said like, yes, I get it. It looks great. Um, Eno Saris was talking about it, how his fastball uh, was a 110 on the on the pitching plus model, um, and even that's kind of low for how hard he throws and how tall he is. So I think Painter could be kind of leaping into that Grayson Rodriguez draft territory because right now, since February, Painter's ADP is 399 since February one, whereas uh, Grayson is 194 so a 200 pick difference there it's going to be really fascinating uh to see if that almost comes right up into that range if it looks like he's going to get that fifth starting spot falter pitched today and it was kind of mediocre uh he gave up a homer recorded four outs you know the report said that he looked okay but man, I mean, where do you go? How high do you move Painter up, Steve, if you know that he's starting out of the gate for the Phillies? It's just so strange. Like, the guy's 19 years old. There's all this talk about how they want him to help the team this year. Like, 
that's not how you this is not how you handle a guy that you like want to save in double a and triple a as a pitcher like i think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to have a role and isn't being drafted as it like this and i i i hope that he he isn't yet uh just so i can snag as many shares as possible like i think this is all right, we're gonna like, have some get your here. get your rookie of the year bets in now before the odds are adjusted once it's announced that he's made the rotation. Okay, um, I'm gonna start conservative here, but uh, you know that he's SP five for the Phillies. Um, Hunter Brown is SP five for the Astros with an ADP of two fifty two. Uh, would you take Painter in front of Hunter Brown? Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. Okay. Let's move up uh like twenty picks here. You got your kind of old old guard class of Andrew Heaney, Sonny Gray, Jack Flaherty, Jose Barrios. Would you take Andrew Painter in front of those names? Yes. Okay. Next above them at ADP two twenty, Edward Cabrera, a guy that we like. Would you go Painter in front of Ed- Edward Cabrera? Um there maybe not just because I think it's more of a defined role with a similar upside okay. potentially. So yeah, that 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 might be my line. Wow, well that's a dangerous game to play because I'm coming up on uh, pick two hundred eight and two thirteen. It's just the issue is I think right now it's not smart to to, to jump. jump that high because it's just. Who am I just speculating that he has a role? Like he, it hasn't been announced that he has a role. Like yeah, it's just annoying true. because he's he's either going to be drafted where he's going now at three hundred, or if they come out tomorrow and say he has a role, like he's going to be drafted, uh, pick one hundred, one hundred, you know, one fifty, right? Like you know, yep. he'll be long gone. It, that's just what's annoying and kind of dumb about all of this. Okay, all right. Well, let's let's uh, get on the. Conveyor belt here. Some other some other pitcher battles to watch. Diamondbacks, Dre Jameson, some good swing and miss stuff. Has the inside track for the last spot there. Uh, Brandon Fott, uh, last name you have to spell, P-F-A-A-D-T, um, is also an exciting prospect, but I think the odds would be against him jumping over Dre Jameson there. Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson um, for the Braves is interesting. And then SP5 for the Yankees, Clark Schmidt versus Domingo Herman is another one that I think whoever wins that is very much worth a, a dart late in drafts. Um, I know you kind of like Clark Schmidt. Would I you do. lean him over Herman? I would, and I hope he does get that job. I think Clark Schmidt uh, could be an interesting starter, especially in New York, just given team context and win context. Um, he had some really good stretches as like a, a long reliever. I know he started a few games there, there uh, last year too, for the Yankees wasn't great, but I, I like Clark Schmidt's stuff and think he can be a very good starter if he wins that job. So I'm, I'm pulling for him. Yeah. Uh, for the Cubs, Hayden Wesneski, uh, another guy we've talked about throughout the off season, uh, had a 25% K rate last year, but even more room for that with uh, his slider is pretty elite. Um, and and he's currently slated to uh, have the inside track, but going up against Adrian Sampson, Keegan Thompson, so something to watch for for the Cubs there. 
And then really interesting, especially because on rates and barrels, Eno Saris was taught, was raving about Tyler McGill uh, for the Mets, who right now him and David Peterson, unfortunately, are more battling for the SP6. And the Mets have talked about giving, you know, Scherzer, uh, periodic breather. Um, why am I blanking on who else they were talking about giving rest to? Um, Ver- Verlander? Oh, yeah, that'd be Justin Verlander because he's old like 40. So, yeah. Um, so they talked about kind of mixing them in. I think what's notable is if any of those guys goes down with an injury, like if Carrasco gets an injury or Quintana, I think McGill you know, is another guy kind of mm-hmm. like Painter, where if you heard he had a role, that that ADP just skyrockets. Absolutely. Where, yeah, right now the ADP is around 500. I think he goes right up by some of those names like Andrew Heaney um, and Edward Cabrera. I think that it's kind of that range. That's how much people are excited about McGill. Shame that he's kind of rotting as a backup. It would be really cool if the St. Louis Cardinals or some team, you know, got him to help out a bad staff. Um, so that, that kind of wraps up some of the things that we wanted to watch for on like the rotation battles, um, just kind of cruising through some, some other notable stuff on, uh, you know, starting pitchers so far, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, people are just saying how insane he looked, uh, was fastball was averaging 98 miles per hour, uh, seven and a half foot extension pretty much, which I saw a tweet that that would have been fifth best extension in the majors last year. So yeah, I think he's going to be really good. Um, maybe the one that was most interesting yeah, is Sean this, Manaya. This is what I knew spring training was back. Yeah, this is when I knew baseball was back. When Manaya was, was seen to be sitting 93 to 96 miles per hour as opposed to him averaging out at 91 last year. Uh, you know, it, it, apparently he was using the weighted ball with the Giants uh, another guy that Mendy was talking about uh, definitely had his eye on in the offseason for all the things that they've done with like Alex Wood. Um, you know, the, there's some seam shifted wake that they run out there and, and seem to have kind of a process formula for. So um, I think Manaya is the SP3 there. And with an ADP of super late, I think it's around, yeah, 327. So I think Manaya. I don't know about you, Steve, but definitely has my attention with pitchers around him like Taiwan Walker. Although I do like Zach Eflin going right after him, but um, I'm interested for sure. Yeah, that that big of a velocity jump you have to be, especially considering where he is uh, that organizationally and what he did to work in the offseason. So definitely has my attention. Um, memeing Any other, about spring yeah. training aside, yes. Uh, yeah, on on the downside, anybody who's in on Matt Manning, we've talked about him on the show with interest because of the prospect pedigree, but he's down three ticks. That's could be more what you were talking about, Steve, that people are just kind of working up. Yeah, um, injury concerns, though, for that one makes it the context a little point. bit tougher. Yeah. Yeah. And then other names on the rundown, Steve, anybody you wanted to kind of uh, talk about as, as kind of an SP notable or just more, you know, Let's wait and see before we get too excited about any any of these guys. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 more wait and see. I know you have here uh, Robbie Ray velocity up. That's interesting, um, especially considering that it was down. I think a bit at some points last year, and he made it work with like that sinker and everything. Um, mm-hmm. 
You know, Nick Martinez is a guy that's been interesting at times. I know he started off really well last year too, and then kind of faded. So who knows there? And I, I can't fall for this next trap again. I can't fall for anything that Kikuchi does. So I'll, I'll miss that train. <laughs> uh, if he looks it's like good, the casting hero, man. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yep, I've I've been down that well many a time. Uh, and the last thing that, that we kind of wanted to hit on is, is just an overall best practice is remember that the plate discipline is something that kind mm-hmm. of carries through the most from spring training to, you know, the actual season. So just threw some names out here, but I think there's a million guys you could pull. But, uh, you know, a guy like Jared Kelnick, who's got three homers and he's surging up ADP lists. He still has a 27% K rate right now. I know the sample small or the sample size is way too small, uh, but just anybody who's hitting the cover off the ball, it's the second thing you do is is you know look at their stats, but then go straight to that strikeout rate if it's somebody who's got issues there. Some other ones that I kind of wanted to keep an eye on there was Cody Bellinger. Um, you know, it's sample sizes are way too small, but just one strikeout in in seven plate appearances. The one that was kind of interesting is El- Elohiris, I can never say his name, Montero for the Rockies. Because of the fact that Rodgers is down, they they played him a lot at the end of last season, and he has immense power. The problem is he had like a 34% mm-hmm. K rate last year. But so far, he's got 16 plate appearances. Which is like which on the top. Right, that's like the top end of the, the top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they definitely are trying to get a look at Montero here, and he has just a 12% strikeout rate right now. So if that were to be something that holds, you know, let's say under 20 or even under 25, I would I would start to be a little interested in that much power at Coors if he can kind of harness it in uh, for Montero. So I like that one. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. Other ones are still super small sample size, but mentioned Tyler O'Neill, O'Neill Cruz, Cal Raleigh. These are guys who, you know, have top end power, but really we kind of entered the offseason saying, can they get the K's in check? So those are ones that I want to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. And I think a good point is like overall to just kind of filter by at bats at the end of spring training. Like, who did these guys want to get looks at? Um, it, it's it's a, yeah. it's an interesting thing to do. Um, like the fact that Montero has 16 at bats already is more telling to me than even this 12 percent strikeout rate. Because what that's what two strikeouts in in 16 appearances, which isn't that much. Um, but I don't think you know that's not sustainable just yet. But yeah. the fact that he has 16 plate appearances already, it's like okay, these guys want to see what they have here, which I think is more telling. Yeah, for sure. But again, no it's it's a rocky, so maybe yeah. with other organizations, but yeah, different knows? organizations, yeah. something to check out. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the you know the Mariners, you know, that's uh, the, just the fact that Kelnick. It's like the time is. It feels like the time is now, where it's like this season for Kelnick, yeah, or now they or might have to start yeah. moving him out. Yeah, so uh, we'll be watching him closely. But that kind of rounds out the uh, the spring training uh, prep. And uh, TGFBI as well. Uh, this is just overall the, the the welcome to March show, Steve. It's a great time of the year, man. Yeah, we got to get it. We got get another draft in. It's the John Rothstein show. I know we've been saying that for the last few episodes, but with PLV and everything, we've been pretty busy. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll get something on the board and 
have our home league drafts to talk about soon. So it's, it's going to be good. Exciting times, folks. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for, for sticking with us, episode 89. Uh, we will now be on every week on the programming note. So we uh, swapped to Saturday uh, this week with uh, travel for Steve, but next week we will be back on uh, Thursday. Friday. Thursdays, Thursdays. Thursdays. Yeah. I'm a little rusty as yeah, well in, in the spring training. Spring training. Right. Spring training. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thursdays uh, throughout the season and, and weekly shows as well. So yeah. thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at WinsBovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav8818. Rounds us out for episode 89, guys. Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks for listening, guys. Later.